Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Hey, good morning, Mercy family. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, when you came in, um, I'm hoping most of you got uh, one of these uh, cards here, one of these magnets that uh, we're handing out on the way in. Uh, it is a summary of the series that we are finishing up today. And it's not just a series, y'all. This series has been us talking about who we are going to be as a church over uh, the next five years, who we believe God is calling us to be. Um, So this is like my prop for today. I don't know what I can, this beautiful wooden table, that ain't gonna work. But um, but what we said is because of Christ, because of who he is, we fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12. That's who we look at and because of Christ, everything that we do, who we are, what we do is always working from our salvation. So we said our first value, what we talked about is because of Christ is our theme. And then we've got these operating sort of principles that we call ministry values that are just describing how we are going to function as a church. Because of Christ, we're hoping by God's grace to be a maturing, multiplying, multicultural church over the next five years. That's who we want to grow into because we believe that honors the Lord. That's what he calls the local church to be. So that's who we want to be. And we said, all right, there's some values that are going to help us get there. The first one, is we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus, right? We're going to keep the gospel at the center of all we do, right? It's about working from our salvation, not for it. But then we said, we expect God to change a life today. You remember uh, the story that we looked, Luke 22, the guys tearing off the roof because they thought if they could get their friend close to Jesus, Jesus could heal him. And we want to walk with that same and operate by that same kind of faith that God could change a life today. So that's a big thing for us. And then we said, we're going to help people take their next steps. This is Matthew 28. Take their next steps as followers of Jesus. That's all of us. You have a next step. I have a next step. We're all helping one another take our next steps as followers of Jesus. We're making disciples. Last week, we said we pursue multicultural unity under the name of Jesus. Right? That it is for us. God, God is glorified. When we receive the multi-ethnic, multicultural unity that he has won for us in the gospel. And that brings us to our last value, the close of our series today. One I'm so excited about. Uh, Because of Christ, we send God's people to all people. And this one gets me excited because this is one that I feel like it gives words to the opportunity that God has offered and is extending to each one of us uh, to participate in the work he's doing in lives, in our community, with our neighbors, friends, everybody else, no matter your age, no matter how long you've been a Christian, this is for you, an opportunity God's inviting you into. I'll never forget when this became real for me. Uh, This became real for me my sophomore year of college at um, a restaurant called the Wicked Burrito 
up on Franklin Street. And listen, it was aptly named, all right? Uh, this place is a little dive on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill where you could get a wicked burrito and a bag of chips for $5. So naturally, that's where we did our uh, discipleship meetings with my Bible study leader who was like, hey man, we want to uh, get together about every couple of weeks. We would sit down, just talk through how to apply the Bible that we're learning to life. By the way, I can't tell you enough. Get into community because you need people. I still need people to help me figure out how do I apply the Bible to my everyday life, right? You're going to need people to help you with that. So we're sitting there and talking about it. And Chuck, Chuck Barrier, he says, all right, Spence, listen, this is about, it's actually about right about this time, about February. He says, um, I, what I think you need to do, I've been praying for you and thinking about your upcoming summer. So I think you need to take your summer and you need to go with this missions trip team to East Asia, to a country that is Uh, closed to the gospel. You need to go there for the whole summer and you need to share your faith with students on the college. There's a college campus there that while the country's closed to Christians, you can get in as a student and you'll learn a foreign language there. And while you're learning, you can share the gospel with people. And I was like, all right, Chuck. (laughs) Up to this point, I had traveled basically nowhere out of North Carolina. I'm a North Carolina boy, never really traveled out except for like a couple of weeks in Europe on a school, like educational trip sort of thing. So I was like, Chuck, something's wrong with your burrito, right? This is a little spicier than mine and got you saying some things. And, and I'm going to give you a hard pass here, right? And it was one of those moments, tell me if you ever had these, where you're like 98% no, but not 100%, just like 98% no. Like God is, you know, this guy's been praying for me and this has been put in front of me. So I want you to pray about it. I was like, all right, I'll go pray about it. God, I want you to know I'm not doing this, right? That's my prayer about it's like 98% no. But then like you say no, but you can't let it go. Like the idea kind of stays there. You know what I'm talking about? The idea just stays there like, ah, no, I'm not going to do that, but ah, I can't seem to get rid of it. So I know what I'll do. I'll go to an interest meeting. Oh my goodness. So I go to this interest meeting and then that 98% starts to shift a little bit. Like I'm interested in it, but I'm going to have to raise money. I can't imagine raising several thousand dollars to go and spend my summer sharing the gospel in a country that, you know, it's not even legal to do so. Right. So then am I going to do this? And that goes from there to this day in the middle of June where I'm standing in a college campus with 60,000 people all the way across the globe and I'm in this, like, I can't believe I'm really here. You ever had that moment where you're like, no, I'm not going to do it, but then you wind up right there in that very thing? I want to share with you today how God took me from a, just a no to yes when it comes to what God was calling me to. And y'all, it still happens constantly in my life. Sometimes in big decisions that take me to new places and people, and sometimes in small moments, and repeatedly at the center of moving from, no, God, I don't want any of that, to, okay, whatever you have for me, at the center of that are a few truths about God and his plan and and who he calls me that just push back against my fears and my doubts. So my hope today is to show you the joy of giving God your yes. The joy of giving God your yes. And that kind of the path, I want to show you those truths and show you the path that you're going to go down to go from no God I can't or no God I won't to okay God, wherever you're sending me, I'll go. So to do that, we're going to go over to Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, if you got your Bible. 
Now, everything about um, this morning would be sleepy, 9, 10, 8, Sunday morning service. It's raining and cold outside, and I'm just going to reject all of that. And while I can only see your eyeballs and not your, not your mouth, so I can't see the full facial expression or you're joining with us online, I, I can't even see that. I'm going to assume you're locked in, you're anticipating this is God's word, and you and I, not in a closed country, actually get to hear from God's word and let it speak to us this morning. And we just, we just sang you're getting ready, so you ready? All right. Let's do this thing. I love this table. All right, here we go. Um, we're going to start in the second half of verse 8, all right? It's kind of where the, the sentence picks up and the thought picks up. Here we go. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We begin, not surprisingly, if you've been with us, this series, if you've been with us for any length of time at Mercy Church, we begin where scripture begins, where the New Testament proclamation of the gospel, I should say, begins. it starts with the gospel. This is the message of faith. It's the gospel. For those of you new to Christianity, or maybe just coming back, or maybe you got church baggage, or maybe you've seen some Christians on news doing some crazy stuff, this is the Bible right here telling you the simple core message of our faith. Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead. That's right at the heart of it. In other words, Jesus has the power to save, and he loved you enough to go and do it. He's Lord. That's the belief he's God. Remember uh, early in our series, Matthew 28, Jesus claimed to have all authority in heaven and on earth. The apostle Paul is saying right here, that claim of lordship, that's very central to the Christian faith. You can't have, this is big. This was a struggle for me um, as a Bible belt young Christian growing up. You can't have Jesus as savior and not as Lord. All right. These are one and the same. And you got to so to speak, as we say in the South, you got to reckon with that, all right? You got to deal with, with that reality. And then he says, God raised him from the dead. That's Paul saying he loved you enough to pay for your life and my life with his life. And he was powerful enough to actually defeat death, which matters because if we share in his death, if that was my death that he died up on the cross as payment for my sin, so I didn't have to die for my sin, even though God set up the world and said, if man sins and rejects me, the payment for that sin is death. I end up not having to die because I share in his death on the cross. That means I share in his resurrection from the grave, which means his victory over death is my victory over death. So now the power for new life resides in me when I believe. And he says, if you believe it, you'll be saved. And a confession, as we start to look into verse 10, is a verbal expression of that which you believe. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, that you're no longer defined by your sin. You're now made righteous. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Confession, that's the expression of Belief. Righteousness, as you look at this verse, righteousness cannot come apart from salvation, nor salvation apart from righteousness. These are two uh, together. So too, belief in the heart and confession with the mouth come together. When I became a Christian, I confessed it. Right? I heard this message, so I want you to lean in here. You're created by God 
to know him, to walk with him. You think of the way the Bible starts, it's Adam and Eve walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. But the Bible says each one of us chose to walk away from God instead of with him. That's what sin is. It's choosing our own way over God's way. We ran away from home and we got lost. And so we were orphans. And God made a way for us to come back home. But it's not a to-do list. It's not a series of steps. That's not the message we announce. The message we announce is good news. It's good news that Paul's talking about. The word gospel, right? It's the word used for a messenger who would come back from the front lines of battle in ancient days and declare, hey, our king has won the battle. And the people in the town who did not fight, they got to celebrate because his victory was their victory. So death that was certain if the king lost, no more death. Now they live, right? The Christian message is that you are lost in your sin, but God went and fought the battle against sin and death. And Jesus, who is Lord, died in your place, but then he defeated death. He declared victory over death. And because of what he did, if you believe it, you are saved. The Christian message is not a bunch of to-dos. It's not an announcement of go do. It's an announcement of receive, believe. My king has won the victory. So I remember there at student camp um, as a middle schooler, said to my student group leader as the message is being preached and I'm trying to figure this whole thing out, feeling conviction. I'm like, listen, I believe this. I've never said this. I realize I kind of just grown up around it, thinking of riding on my parents' faith, but I recognize now there's something each of us has to receive and believe, and I, I believe it. I want to believe it today. And he said, awesome. All right. Now you got to, it's not, as you believe, as the Lord saves you, now what happens next? Profess it. Profess it. He actually even had me, uh, in my situation, call my parents to tell them about it, and I did. I was a little, I was a little scared, honestly, to tell my parents because uh, that made it real. And we didn't often in my home talk about stuff like that. Um, but then it was awesome. I did it because true belief expresses itself in words. And then I got baptized because that's what baptism is. It's a confession of faith, right? I believe that's why in scripture, baptism, which is to, to dunk, it's emulating the death and resurrection of Christ. That's why it comes after profession of faith because it's public. Uh, so let me ask you, have you been baptized as a profession of faith? Have you been baptized as saying, I believe, some of you may have been hesitant for any number of reasons to take that step. I want to read over to you, um, read over you verse 11 through 13. Listen up. The scripture says, everyone who believes on him, the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Yeah. Oh, sometimes I can just like pass on by that one because Romans 10 has got a lot of good stuff for us. Will not be put to shame though. Since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, you think back to our, our sermon last week, because the same Lord of all, there's our word again, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a truth to celebrate today. Everyone, all. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter your past. Everyone kneels as equals at the foot of the cross. 
And the Lord blesses, richly blesses. These are scripture's words. All who call on him. How? Well, he saves you from your sin. Then he promises you will not be put to shame. I wonder if maybe you are afraid that some others around you will shun you. Fear not. You will not be put to shame. God will accept you. His people will accept you. Maybe you're afraid your family will not understand. Fear not. You will not be put to shame. Maybe you're afraid because you've been attending church for years and you've been kind of faking it. And you're worried that if you finally say what's happening right now, which is I've never really believed until right now, I've just been riding on the coattails of other people's faith and church was a thing you attended and my family's been attending for generations. And now I'm realizing, oh my goodness, this is something that I needed to believe and the Lord's convicting me. And you're worried if I say that, people are gonna be like, how have you been around so long and not believe that? Fear not, you will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. God receives you today. So whatever your story, call on the name of the Lord and be saved today. This is the first truth that changes a no into a yes. It's the gospel news that you are saved by believing in what Jesus has done for you. I know the word saved. I've said it several times this morning following our passage here, and it might sound a little old school church, but that's the word. (laughs) Not only is it the word of the text, there's no better word. Maybe rescue, I don't know, but you were dead in your sin and God saved you, right? I think of Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. It wasn't the valley of bad bones that God needed to make into better bones, It was the valley of dry bones, dead bones that God breathed life into, right? Jonah wasn't just doing a bad job down in the whale. No, he was dead and the Lord saved him, right? This time and time again, the message of scripture is that God saves you out of nothing you can do. God saves you. He has looked at you and said, yes, catch this. He's looked at you and said, yes, I love you. I want you, so repent of your sin and come back home. And all we have to say is yes to him. We say yes. The first motivation for saying yes to where God might might want me to go in my life one day is saying yes to salvation, joy, and restoration that I've found as I say yes to his love for me. Then verse 14, when you have received and said yes, I want to be reconciled to God. I want to be saved from my sin. And all he's telling me to do is to believe on him, which means rest the weight, rest the weight of my life onto that. I'm going to let that be what defines and drives my life. That's my identity. Yes. Then, verse 14, how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? I want to pause right here. They. Little pronoun work. How can they? That who who's they? It's the everyone. It's the all peoples. How can they call on him? I want you to hear something embedded in this. It's drawn out more clearly in the rest of Scripture. God loves all people. All people. And he's waiting to bring his mission to an end because he desires all to come to repentance and saving faith. John 3:16. For God so loved 
the whole world, the world. This way, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Everyone who believes, all. Here's the next truth that's really pushed me from no to yes and continues to. God loves and God wants all people. He loves and he wants all people. God loves people. He loved the world. He loved me. He wanted me. And that same love he has for me, he has for others. And the yes that I found in God's love for me, he offers to others. And what happens, the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you begin to love what God loves. Right? And listen, uh, God loves people. He loves people. Even my whole, the longer I've walked with Jesus, my foundational kind of operating definition of love started to be reworked. It's not based on my love for you, not on what you can do for me. No, but instead, my love for you is based on God's love for me and what he has done for me. So I, my goal is to love you, not like you love me, but like God loves me, which is sacrificial. It's, it's one directional. I'm receiving and giving, and it's not based on uh, you reciprocating that love? Do I love my friends like God does? Do I love my family like God does? Do I love the stranger like God does? Do I love the poor and oppressed like God does? The young man in the tribe in northern Pakistan who's never met a Christian or heard the gospel, God loves that young man. Loves him just as much as he loves me. Same is true with my neighbor. Same is true with the cashier at the grocery store. Same is true with the prisoner doing 25 to life. God loves that person. Do I believe that he loves that person as much as he loves me? Do I believe it? We will never embrace God's calling on our lives until we embrace God's love for people. That'll always come out of his love for people. And that started to lead to a prayer God, help me to love like you love, which means help me to love who you love. And with that heart, we're ready for what Paul says next. God's invitation into his redemptive work in every single person. Look, verse 14. How then can they, as we said, call on him who they not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? I love, I'm kind of a, I like logic. And Paul's just doing some logic work here, right? Simple chain of thought. He works back from, okay, remember what I said a couple verses ago? Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, let's work back. How do they get to that moment of calling, of crying out, yes, God, of giving their yes to God? How do they get there? Well, they have to believe in their heart, right? You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. How do they do that? Well, they got to hear about God's saving work. You go down to verse 17. I don't think we're going to get there today. If you could go down to verse 17, it's going to hear faith comes by hearing, hearing by the message of Christ. How are they going to hear? Somebody is going to have to tell them. That's how they're going to hear. Who? Somebody from among us must be sent to them. Here's the truth. God sends his people to proclaim his gospel to all people. In other words, (laughs) we... We are his plan for bringing salvation to the world. Isn't that a little bit crazy? I mean, all the, all the ways he could wire this up. He chooses, I mean, he chooses you and me, 
right? Fallible, messed up people to share the gospel with people. I love this about God. His primary plan for communicating this absolutely incredible plan of redemption, right, is using you and me. The primary means of communicating an incredible, I mean, magisterial love is through our clumsy words. It's amazing. That trip to Southeast Asia I was telling you about, I was 19. I'd never shared the gospel before, let alone tried to climb over a language barrier to share it. And so then we start sharing. Uh, we just start talking, having gospel conversations. And this guy uh, that I was talking to about a third conversation in, he chooses to believe, to call on the name of the Lord and find salvation. And I was like, really? You actually understand what I'm saying? I've never really even said this stuff before. And, you know, I'm just clumsily falling over my words. This is amazing. But then I realized that's how God gets glory and not us. It's because he uses us. <laughs> he uses us when clumsy vessels declare glorious truths and then lives start changing. All that's left to believe is this is God doing this. God's doing something right now. We are just preachers. We, as clumsily as we can, we get doing the best we can. We get the words to the ears and God does the rest. We are preachers, not saviors. All of us. And look at, um, I was reminded of the simple truth over in Acts 1-8 of how this happens. This power. How do these words actually have power? It's the Holy Spirit within us. This is Acts 1-8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. When you understand this is true for you, that the Holy Spirit lives in you, Christian, and with him is the power of God, okay, now it starts to make a little bit of sense. Because you on your own, it's just your clumsy words, and you're like, how in the world does this happen, right? How can anything good come from me trying to represent God? But then you start to realize, oh, wait a minute, God has put God in me, Right now it starts to change a little bit. You start to realize where that power is and you get courage, not cockiness, but courage because God is with you. God loves, remember this, he loves your family member. He loves your friend. He loves the stranger across town and across the world. You have no power, right? You are powerless, but the God in you, he has power. He's got power and he's given you not just salvation. He's given you his presence. So as you go, you go with God. We get to go with God. And as you're in that conversation this week, wondering, oh man, I see, you know, I, maybe should I turn this spiritual? Like, should, should we start talking about spiritual stuff here? Remember, God is with you. This is not a wondering. That is a prompting from God who is with you. Saying, if you go there, guess what? I'm going with you, right? And it's going to get awkward and I'm going to be right there in the middle of that awkwardness. God is with you. This is why I pray. I've started um, praying over my meeting schedule each day as part of my morning prayer routine, just pulling up like my calendar and saying, all right, where's my, what are my meetings that I know I'm having? God, help me to see inroads to the gospel there because I know you're going to be there. I know you're going with me there. And I want to say yes to you in that moment. Because when I do, when I say yes to you in that moment, other people get the chance to say yes to God. I want to be a part of that. This is huge in, in turning my no into yes. The reason often that I'm hesitant 
is because I make it about me. The reason often I'm hesitant and turning a conversation towards spiritual things is because I'm making it about me, about how I will be perceived. And I was caring about my perception more than God's glory and more than that person's salvation. And then these things started clicking. The gospel says, I got all the acceptance I have, I will ever need. I have that in Christ. No shame, no condemnation. God's the one who saved. And in his grace, he's invited me to get in on his saving work in the lives of others. That frees me to go. Listen, church, I wonder, this is, I mean, this like really got down into my, into my heart. Is it our pride that's keeping people from hearing the good news of the gospel? Our pride about how we are going to be perceived and we want to have a good image. And for some reason, we think that that's that, that going spiritual, sharing the gospel, God's great saving news, will change people's perceptions of us in a way that's negative somehow. It's our pride. We've been accepted. And on the other side of that is potentially a yes to God in someone's life. So this year, I want us to pick back up the what we called um, over the past couple of years a who's your one sort of challenge. Who's one person far from God right now, but they're close to you. Write their name down, not just mentally, physically with a pen or with thumbs, whatever you got to do, write their name down and pray, God, let me be a part of their yes story. Just pray that. I want this person to say yes to you. I I told our, um, our team this on Thursday. I was sharing some of this. I was like, I don't know how we would actually count this, but it's 2021. Why don't we pray together that uh, Mercy Church gets to have 2021 gospel conversations in 2021? That's like each of us having a conversation about Jesus about two to three times, sharing the gospel about two to three times over the course of the year. And um, I was thinking, you know, if we were to do that, each one of us, that's 2021 opportunities for someone to say yes to God. That's a small measure of faith would say God's going to do something with that. We just see what he does. Who's your one? That should be a community group question. Who's your one? I was sharing this, and um, one of our staff members, our comms uh, director, Jessica Murray, she came back like the next day and just put together a website, and it's up now, and you can do it. It's mercycharlotte.com slash share, where we're going to just kind of have a conversation with each other. Here's who I'm going to share with. Pray for me. Here's the conversation I had. We've got training up there. If you're like, I don't really know how to share the gospel. First of all, God is with you. You don't need training. All right. Use your clumsy words. Let God show off a little bit as you clumsily share the gospel with somebody and watch what he does. But we also have equipping and training all on that, all on that site for you. I mean, we expect God to change your life today, right? That's one of our values. Let's put it, put it to the test. Let's call people to believe it. And you get to get swept up in something beautiful as you do it. Isaiah 52, 7, Paul quotes it with one alteration. All right, here's what he says, his next verse. This is uh, Romans 10, 15. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now in Isaiah, the herald is singular. The feet of the one who brings good news. But now for Paul, he's quoting it and he's saying now it's plural because now it's not just the one who's bringing good news. Now it's all of us. Yeah. We, 
are the bringers of good news. And it's a beautiful work we do, bringing good news of the gospel. It's a joy-filled work that we get to do as well, which leads me to the truth that keeps my yes on the table. Listen, going and proclaiming increases our joy in Christ. It actually increases our joy. Amazingly enough, this is so awesome. Our God is so good. Jesus has wired up our lives in such a way that the more we obey him, the more joy we get. Doesn't mean it's all easy, but it is more joyful. John 15, 11, Jesus says, obey all of my commands. And he adds, I've told you this thing so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Joy. <laughs> when you continue to say yes to God, your joy abounds. You get more joy. So if you're feeling right now in your faith, like, like you're in this dry season spiritually, it's been hard lately. I'm going to ask you the question Pastor Scott's always asking. When was the last time you were radically and completely obedient to God's commands? Go obey Jesus. See if that doesn't unlock some joy. Say yes to his calling. Let me give, these are these four truths that have just been changing my no into a yes time and time again. The gospel is news that you're saved by believing in what he's done for you. God loves and God wants all people. God sends his people to proclaim his gospel to all people. And as you go and you proclaim, it increases your joy in Christ. I'll give you two application steps for us, church. First, we are sent to our community. In light of this, we are, as a church, sent to our community. There's a reason we end every single service. Enough of you have been around long enough to know. We end and we say, you are sent. sent. Right, you are sent because we believe it. It's not just we don't know how to end a worship service. And so we need it to, you know what I mean? Like, there's a reason we say it. We believe that we are sent. God is sending you, and God is also going with you. In fact, he's already gone before you, and you and I get to be ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We're ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal, he's telling the world through us. So we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Think of Charles Spurgeon, I, you know, I'll quote him often, but man, the one that just like resonates with me that if, if I could put anything up on my wall, it'd be his, where he says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions and let no one, not one, go unwarned or unprayed for. That's why we want to be a multiplying church. Because we believe when we make appeals, the power of Christ going out from us, God is going to save and if each of us this year sees a friend or family member or coworker or neighbor or random stranger that we begin a relationship with, math tells me that we'll probably double as a church if each one of us goes, shares, somebody comes to faith, right? Praise God for that. I mean, that's why we're launching a Mercy Campus up in Northeast Charlotte sometime in this year, because hopefully sometime soon, because we want to mobilize our people in that community to be able to make disciples and have proximity uh, and by having a worship gathering near where they live, that's going to help that. But that's why we're doing it, is to plead 
It's to plead, be reconciled to God. And I know while some, many of you, especially since the pandemic and us coming back, you've been driving a long time uh, we know, and driving a long way. We know your lost friends probably aren't going to make that drive. That's why we're planning to launch there. It's why we're planning to launch a Mercy Campus in Union County in 2022. It's the same reason. Multiply the gospel. Plead with people. Be reconciled to God. That's why we're planning on planting churches. Over the next five years, I told you, we want to plant two or three churches, both here in Charlotte, across the U.S., across the world, because one church cannot reach the city of Charlotte. Over 2,000 people move here every month. We would need to plant somehow. I don't even know how you would plant a mega church a month or some weird thing like that. That's just to keep up with population growth. That tells me we need to plant churches and plant churches. In fact, we believe our, the campuses that we're launching of Mercy Church uh, will be communities where future church planters can grow and develop in. So we're going to multiply campuses. We're going to multiply churches. And your yes might be to join a, a campus launch team, maybe a church planting team. I had so many conversations about Northeast Charlotte this week. I was preparing this sermon thinking, man, all right, Lord, finally starting to stir something up there, something special to that work. So go to our website, talk to a pastor or something after this service. We are, we are sent to our community, but let me say this. We are also sent across the seas. Y'all listen, the church has been following God to foreign people groups since Paul wrote these words. In fact, before Paul wrote these words, Uh, Missions is not the American church gracing the world with its unique first-class understanding of the gospel. All right, no. God's mission is a global mission. It doesn't need the English language or the American church in order for it to flourish. But he does invite us in. And I'm telling you, getting to participate in the building of the global church, what an honor. What joy. So our goal is over the next five years to send 10 members of mercy to live overseas sharing the gospel, to put your yes on the table and let God put it somewhere on the map. You could get to be a part of a whole people group saying yes to God. 3.23 billion unreached people in the world today. How will they hear? Maybe it's because you went. Really, maybe it's because you went. Maybe it'll be, listen, parents, maybe it'll be because your kids go. You can't claim Psalm 127 that blessed is the man who has many children. His children are like arrows in the quiver. Blessed is the man who has a full quiver, that whole thing. You can't believe that unless you believe in what arrows do. They are shot out at the enemy. Parents, Christian parents, I'm up against my time here. I've got to say this. Our college pastor, um, Pastor Scott, college admissions pastor, has told me, and I've seen it for years, the number one hindrance to Christians, Christian college students taking their summers and going somewhere and sharing the gospel, it's not non-Christian parents. It's Christian parents. That's always, always, 100% of the time, the biggest hindrance. Your yes may be to release God's children that he has entrusted to you to do his work. What's your yes? Maybe it'll be taking your professional skills and going to a lost people group, using those skills to better the community there, and then you share the gospel while you do it. Sometimes we think of uh, being a missionary as only for people who can't get a job, right? I feel like sometimes that's the, the perception. No, church history is filled with people who took their skills and then went somewhere strategically with them. It's still happening today. Think of last week, commissioning Josh Bird, one of our members, who's going to go for a couple of months overseas 
See if he can take his professional skills and go serve God's mission there. It's not for, missions is not for people who can't get jobs. It's for people who want to leverage their job to get in on the glorious calling of proclaiming, to get to be a part of it. In fact, our introductory class called The Mission of God is going to be launching soon here. You can reach out to our missions team, get more information on that. Yes, it will cost you, church. Yes, it will cost us. The only reason I was a part of a church plant in Charlotte is because I believed that this city needed to be a sending hub to send the gospel to the 100 plus people groups that are living in the city and to the far corners of the earth. Because getting in on the mission of God is worth more than any fortune we could build for ourselves here on earth. One of the most well-known missionary stories um, is Jim Elliott. He said, he's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He was killed in Ecuador by the very people he was sent to proclaim the gospel to. But he saw God's mission as better, proclaiming, pleading as better, worthy of his life. And his feet, covered in his own blood as he lay there dead on the riverbank, killed by the people that he was trying to share this gospel with, those feet were beautiful. They looked like our Savior's feet, covered in his own blood as he hung dead. And because Jesus said yes to Jim Elliott, Jim could say yes to proclaiming the gospel, even if it cost him his life, so that others might hear and say yes. And I recognize, because we're not playing games as a church, like the mission of God is real. Life is real. Eternity is real. If you believe in a real hell and a real heaven, and the difference is Jesus Christ, the only way to the Father, this is real. And I recognize some of you will go. And over the course of our church, some of you will go to unreached people groups and some of you might go through the same fate as Jim Elliott. Uh, so I don't say this lightly as I talk about the mission of God, fully understanding the weight of what's in front of us, but believing that Christ is worth it, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we're gonna equip and do everything we can to prepare, but ultimately it's gonna be each one of us in our heart saying, how can they hear unless someone is sent? And I get to be that ambassador. I get to go and preach that good news. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your grace on us. Thank you that our yes to anything you call us to, God, it begins in celebrating your yes towards us. So thank you. Thank you, Father, for your grace on us. I want to ask you, whether you're online, whether you're right here in the room, will you, if you're willing, to open your hands almost in a posture of prayer um, and a posture of openness to say, yes, God, I'm willing. Wherever you send me, I'll go. Let him fill in where that is. Let him fill in to who that is. God, wherever you want Whoever you want to send me to, I'll go. Thank you for letting me, for the honor of letting me be a part of your great redemptive work. God, thank you for your grace on us. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's holy name, amen.